Good morning, everyone. Let's give the worship band a hand. They did an awesome job this morning. Love those guys. What a powerful song. We could have stayed there uh, just for another 30 minutes if it were up to me. Just what a powerful time to know that it's a breath of God that's flowing through our lungs. And uh, that's why we praise. Uh, what a wonderful thing it is. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Daryl Davis. Uh, I'm uh, the worship leader for the second service. I get a chance to work with that fabulous crew that you just heard there and just uh, just wonderful, great people. Uh, I'm glad to be here with you this morning speaking. Uh, it's my second time before you. Uh, and so I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you as just a church body that encourages. And so I received your messages and your notes of encouragement uh, for the last time. And so I'm back again. I also want to tell you how much I appreciate you uh, just rallying around my daughter. Uh, if you were here a couple weeks back, uh, my daughter, uh, Melody Davis, is heading off uh, to the mission field full time, heading to Uganda, uh, far, far away to Africa uh, to do full time missions. And so uh, you guys uh, gathered here and prayed and lifted her up and supported her and and uh, some of you are supporting her financially, too. And so that's just an awesome thing uh, to see that happen. Uh, as I said last week, I remember when I was a, a young guy uh, and she was just eight years old. And we were heading off full time to go and do missions overseas in Jamaica. Uh, outreach to the beach. Jamaica. Beautiful place. Outreach to the beach. Wasn't really quite that easy. But I remember going uh, out during those times and, and, man, just selling everything we had, our house, our cars, and giving it all up. And and she had one of those little pink power wheel cars back then. You guys know what those are? Those little, she used to drive around the neighborhood and like, hey, daddy, and all that stuff. And I remember giving that baby away and just saying, hey, we're going overseas to do the work of God and good things are going to come. And so uh, God provided for us all five years. And, um, and so it's good to be back here in America, of course, but it's great to see her heading off and, uh, and her own way, reaching out and making a difference in the world. Now, as I told the first service, uh, she's single. And so I'm wondering if she's going to meet some guy over there in, uh, in Uganda. Now, the bad thing about that is it's pretty far away for me to go and take my gun collection and show him, you know, what kind of dad would I be if I didn't take him to the target range at least once or twice, let him know what time it is, right? And maybe I'll have to go over there on a safari or something like that, you know, go out there. I don't, I'm not, can't really shoot any those big animals. I wouldn't want to do that. But I can sure fire off a couple rounds in the sky and what's up. Nice shotgun. Yes, sir. Just the kind of dad I am. What can I say? Hey, uh, but good to be here with you. I'm going to open and pray that we're going to jump right in the Word of God. Are you here this morning? Yes. Excited about what God's doing in this church? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for today, uh, for this day that you've made. And uh, so you've given us this day. Tomorrow's not our promise. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow holds, even if it's going to be here at all. But right now, we have an opportunity to receive from you and to hear from you. So this morning, God, I pray that the things that I say that they're not supposed to hear, that somehow you just block that out, but that every word, God, that you want them to hear, that they will hear it, that it will go deep down inside of their hearts, that you would take your word and that you would plant in our hearts as good seed. And that we would go forth from here today of being doers of that word and not just hearers of it only, that we become doers of it, that would that it would spread forth and spring forth in our lives and, uh, and cause us to, uh, to be the kind of children that you want us to be. In Christ's name, everyone say it. Amen. Amen. Repeat after me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This side can do better. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I think I like this side better so far. Come on, say it again together. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, a little bit of uh, more intestinal fortitude. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, we can do even a little bit better than that. Let's raise the roof. I am fearfully 
and wonderfully made. Uh, King David wrote that. He said, my soul knows it right well. And I'm here to tell you today that if you don't know it right well, you're going to have trouble in your life. You're not going to be able to make it tomorrow if there is a tomorrow. You're going to have to get it deep down inside. And it's going to have to be something that resonates not only the inside of you, but on the outside of you so that the world will know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The fact of the matter is we're called to bear forth the image of God in this earth. So say it again for me. I am what? Come on, come on, come on. I am what? Okay, you're, you're, you're getting better at this preaching thing. See, no matter what you feel like today, no matter what you may feel like tomorrow, the fact of the matter is God fearfully, which means he reverently crafted you and made you. Your heavenly father knows you by name and he uniquely fit you and put you together and he put you together for a purpose. So you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so uh, no matter whether you are, as I said earlier, whether you're cross-eyed, buck tooth, pigeon toe, knock knee, whether you got three strands of hair on your head or whether you look like Denzel Washington like me, you are still fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the deal, guys. See, you're not a mistake, and, and you're not useless and worthless. And no matter what someone might have told you long ago, it might have been some boyfriend or girlfriend who said, hey, there's no good in you. Maybe a husband or a wife might have walked out on you a long time ago and said, you're not worth much. But the truth is, you are what? Yeah, and you've got to know it right well. It's found in Psalm 139. I think they have it on the screen there. David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, I remember when I was a youngster, I signed up for the army, joined the army, and I thought, man, I'm going to go be all I could be. And uh, boy, little did I know. And they had me day after day after day learning this quote that I knew, and I said it deep down inside, and I knew it. And it said, uh, let's see, I'm an American fighting man. I serve in the forces which guard our country and our way of life, and I'm prepared to give my life in her defense. I'm an American fighting man. I serve in the forces which guard our country and our way of life, and I'm prepared to give my life in her defense. Had to say that day after day, or else a drill sergeant would have had me doing push-ups. But what if we woke up every day of our lives and we said, we looked into the mirror and says, man, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I think it will inform everything we did, everything we said, and every action we took in the world today. And people would see Jesus in us, the hope of glory, because you really are fearfully, wonderfully made, made in the image of the almighty God, no matter what anyone else says. One of my other favorite scriptures comes from Ephesians. Ephesians 10, it says that we are his workmanship. Wow, what a powerful word. We are his handiwork. In other words, God himself created you and I, and he created for good works. Somebody say good works. Yeah, so that means you were created for a purpose. You were created for good works that God knew and ordained and put into destiny well before you came here. So you were not only created, but you were created for a purpose. You were what? Uh, Come on, you have to know it deep, deep inside and know it well. See, we know that we are called to bear forth uh, God's image in the earth. That's just who we are. That's how we were, we were born. We were born and God called us to be fearfully and wonderfully made. We're going to take a look in a little bit here at Genesis, but not yet. We're going to talk about how that in the very beginning of time, uh, God spoke and said, hey, I'm not only going to create man. He says, let us, first of all, he was talking to the Trinity, let us create man, but not only that, but let's create man in our own image. What a powerful thing that is and what a powerful responsibility that goes with it, that we were created in the very image of God. And now our task is to bear forth that image in the world we live in. Uh, as, as I mentioned uh, last time I spoke, I'm a realtor and I also do a couple flips a year. Uh, as a realtor, I'm not the best salesman in the world, so I have to do something else in order to bring home the bacon. So I, I get a couple houses, do a couple flips uh, at least once or twice a year. And uh, right now, uh, we just picked up what we call the pig house. Yeah, we call it the pig house. Now, the first time I went to the pig house... Uh, 
uh, I saw the pictures first. And, uh, you know, I saw it in the computer system. I'm thinking, man, this might be the one. It's a beautiful home, priced just right. Uh, but as we got out of the vehicle, me and a couple guys that work with me, uh, there was this odor that I just kind of, you know, was kind of in the air. I'm like, whoa, what is that? So as we got a little bit closer, the other guy said, hey, Double D. That's what they call me, Double D for Daryl Davis. Uh, Buddy, I don't think we're going to go in. I'm like, come on, man, we can go. Trust me, this is going to be okay. We got close to the door, and that stench was even stronger. I was like, oh, boy. Hmm. And of course, at this point, they totally walked away. It says, double. Uh, I don't know what that is we smell. I says, I know what it is we smell. I smell opportunity. <laughs> right? I smell dollars. So this, this is, this is, this is a good smell. Yes, you, you know, you want to look for something. So I, I remember, man, uh, pulling out my, my little phone and going in and my realtor key thing and the key dropped out and I opened the door and woof! Man, I had to step back. Uh, not only did it smell bad, but it smelled very bad. Now, the worst thing of all is when I first walked in, of course, they, they took off. They left me hanging. The first thing I walked in and noticed was straight out in front of me, there was a pig. Yeah, the real thing. The real thing. I mean, he was about, I don't know, maybe four or five feet long. At least it seemed that way to me. I mean, he was this big honking thing that's about that round, about this high off the ground. And he was just kind of laying there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's a pig here. Yeah. Now, I don't want to spoil your lunch because maybe you're planning on going out for ribs or bacon or something. I don't want to do that at all. And I, I truly was a bacon man until then, a couple of weeks ago. Because, see... The reality is not only did they have a pig in there about this long, about this round, about this tall, but they also had four dogs. And see, I don't know if they ever let those animals out to go to the restroom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ribs will never taste the same again. I, I used to tell people I don't, I don't really uh, eat pork. It's against my religion to eat pork. I only eat bacon, ham, ribs, <laughs> pork chops. Uh, but after that, Hey, I'm not eating pork for a while. Anyway, this pig was right there in the living room, and I'm telling you, it was stuff everywhere, and you don't know what I mean when I say stuff. All over. Her, and people were still living there. They weren't there at the time. They were out so I could see the house. But there was stuff everywhere, and I mean stuff. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had a mask. I stepped outside to get another breath, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I took a nice deep breath outside, and then I went back in. But then I took another exhale, and then I had to inhale, and oh, what did I do that for, right? The pig house. But what I saw was opportunity. And maybe you know where I'm going with this. See, see, I wonder, when I pulled up to the house, I knew what it looked like on the outside. I could see the pictures, and even the homes around it were amazingly beautiful. I mean, this is an area right here in Finneytown, people. Homes probably anywhere from 150 to 200-something thousand dollars. I'm thinking, this is going to be great. And, 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 but when I opened the door, when I got close to the inside, you see, you know my point. Sometimes everything that looks one way on the outside is not always the same way on the inside. But even when there's stuff going on on the inside, God says that we are what? Yeah, that's tough to, to fathom, to get down. We are fearfully, wonderfully made, even if there's stuff going on on the inside. Now, the, the real deal is it took a while for me to really get a vision of what could be. In fact, really what used to be uh, with that house. I mean, I wondered what the person's original intent was who designed that thing, who put it together, who created it in fashion. I wonder what his vision was, and I guarantee you, it wasn't what I say. 
I walked through and I had to sort of tip throw, but it wasn't through the tulips, my tiptoeing, tip around, I went through and I came out and sure enough, uh, we bought that baby. Uh, now my wife hasn't been in there yet. I think she's here this morning somewhere. Uh, it's her birthday tomorrow. So I'm thinking birthday celebration, we should go by the pig house to celebrate. <laughs> she says, no, nah, baby, no, nah, it ain't happening. But she hasn't been in it yet. But man, uh, I, I have a passion for taking something like that and seeing what it could possibly be. I called a guy to come in and do the hardwood floors because I knew that I wasn't really capable of taking care of that task. And he told me about hydrogen peroxide. You kind of pour hydrogen peroxide over everything. And he says, get a whole bunch of it because you're going to need a whole bunch of it. And I did. Now, being the previous cop, I've seen peroxide used with wounds and things like that and how it bubbles up. And I'm talking about the whole floor just began to all over. Amazing thing to see. So if you guys are looking for some work, yeah, the pig house. But my point is, man, God wants to take people in this world, maybe even us who are here today, and restore us back to what we once were. Even in the midst of what stinks about our lives, and all of us has issues, as Cedric talked about during his confession time. All of us in one form or another uh, have things that we don't like about ourselves, things that need to be adjusted. There needs to be restoration. There's a process and a work that God wants to do in each and every one of us. But yet and still, even as we are right now, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And one of the good things about the book of Genesis from the beginning there is that it's not only our responsibility to bear forth the image of God, but it's also our responsibility to call forth the image of God that's in other people, even when they don't look like it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are his workmanship, it says in Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are his workmanship. Touch someone next to you and tell them you're a piece of work. Yeah, you're a piece of work. That's what the Bible says. Don't say Daryl said it. The Bible says you are his workmanship, so you're a piece of work. As a matter of fact, if there's a friend of yours who didn't make it here today, I understand a bunch of people are out at the campground today for our church camp thing. Uh, if you have a spouse that decides to sleep in or whatever, when you go home, tell them, Daryl said you're a piece of work. <laughs> tell them the Bible said it. But it's really true. We are his workmanship. Now, how many remember the movie uh, uh, Mission Impossible? Dun, 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 dun. You remember the theme song? How does that go? Anyone? Okay, all right, never mind. Never mind. I'll get... You're going to mess it up. Remember, Mission Impossible is one of my... And I'm not talking about this new one. You know, not the new one with... What's his name that... Runs like that time. None of this Tom Cruise stuff. No, baby, no. I'm talking about the one that, you know, remember Peter Graves? You got to remember the old days? And Borny? Remember Borny? His real name. They told me the first service. I forgot. Anyone know Borny's real name? Gosh, that's why, the, that's why I like the first service better. I think it was... I'm kidding. But they knew Borny's real name. But back then, man, I was fixated on Mission Impossible. I would sit on the edge of my seat, man. And, and remember that part where they began to pull out the folders where Peter Graves could pick out the IMF force, the guys who were going to be the ones for the day? Oh, man, I, w- I was always hoping Barney would be one of those guys. Back then in the day, there, there wasn't very many positive African-American guys on t- I mean, they were your Red Fox comedians and things like that. But Barney on Mission Impossible, he was a serious guy that had this great skill that people just counted on in order to complete the mission. But my favorite part was when they pulled out the folders. Oh, man, I love that. There was this intensity as you sat there and watched, and they had the music playing lightly, and Peter Graves were like, yeah, let me see who it's going to be. One by one, he would pick out a folder and look at it, open up, look at the picture, and toss it on the table. Yeah, we're going to take that one. 
Mm-hmm, that one there, maybe not this guy. But he would pick his team. And I wonder sometimes if we realize that God called us to be part of a mission force. If we realize that it's not only about us being individuals that bear forth God's image in the earth. And we were created to, to be fearfully and wonderfully made, but we were created for a purpose. See, I was created for a purpose. Say that. I was created for a purpose. Yeah, you were created for a purpose. And, and the best way to know the purpose of a thing is to go back to the person who created the thing. You see, you will never know your purpose unless you go back to the creator of the purpose. In other words, that's why we have so many problems along our, our, the lines of abuses in our world. We have domestic violence because we don't know the purpose for relationships. We have drug abuse because we don't know the purpose for drugs. And so abuse only comes about in our society because we don't understand the purpose of a thing. But we know that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. And not just for ourselves, not just for our own dignity and our own purposes, but so that we could show this lost and dying and hurting world what it means to be a follower of Christ. Remember, Jesus said it this way. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What do people see when they see you? That's a question I need to ask myself more often. What do people see when they see me? Now, I can tell you it's not all the time that they they would say, I've seen Daryl, I've seen the Father. Uh, there were times when the guys I worked with saw uh, Daryl, the guy who was angry and who was trying to take down this guy and forgot what manner of man he was because of the situation I was in. Then I had to step back again and say, no, nah, that's not what it's all about. And I, I'm sure today as I sit here and I look out among you guys, oftentimes we don't bear forth the image of God as we should in our lives the way God wants us to. This morning we're going to take a look at a, a passage of scripture in Genesis. It's our bumper passage If you've been tracking along through the series, you know that uh, we've been looking first at God's good world. Uh, Last week, we talked about how God created the earth richly for us to enjoy. Powerful message that Mike brought forth. And today, we're looking at God's good people, which is why you guys need to understand and know that you are what? You're going to get that down before. So remember Dorothy from Wizard of Oz? So you can click your heels when you get home three times and just say, I'm fearfully wonderfully made if you want to. But Dorothy at least got it right. Remember that part? You know, what did she say over and over again? There's no place like home. Anyway, I don't know how I got on that. <laughs> Mike's not, don't tell Mike I preached on the Wizard of Oz, but yeah. But let's take a look here at Genesis and let's see what God has to say from the beginning. Then God said, Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, who did God say we we're supposed to have dominion over? Who, who, who did God say? Did God say we we're supposed to have dominion over the people who were less fortunate? Did he say we we're supposed to be, uh, have dominion over people who, who lived in, in the pig house and treat them poorly? Yeah. Did he say we we're supposed to have dominion over people that just don't look like us or, or think like us? No, we're supposed to have dominion over the earth, over the birds of the air, over the animals, and over the green things. See, what we see right here in this passage is not so much what's being said, but it's what's not being said. It's not saying that God's called us in creation to have dominion over one another, to lord over one another. But we're supposed to be, have dominion over creation. Let's go on. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Who did he create? Male and what? So there we see the females weren't an afterthought. And so verse 28, and God blessed, God what? He what? God what? He blessed them. Wow. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then verse 29, and God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. 
Verse 30, and to every beast of the field, to every bird of, of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. Who made it? Who made everything? Yeah. And behold, it was okay. Is that what it said? It, I mean, it was all right. I didn't say all right. I said all right. No, he said it was very good. So when God made you, he made you very good. Now, I know we've got issues, as I said before, but God made us very good. Uh, there are three aspects, if you've been following along with the study guide, three aspects, three areas where God wants us to bear forth his image in the earth. The, one, uh, the first one has to do with how we steward uh, the earth that he's given us. And the second one is also uh, related, but it has to do with how we work and rest. Someone say work and rest. Yeah, both those go together. And then the last area is how we bear forth this image and how we treat and care for one another. I'm going to take a quick look and sort of zoom through the first one, uh, which has to do with stewardship of our earth. And uh, the key, I think, for us to remember there is that uh, there is no authority without responsibility. There is no authority without responsibility. In other words, we've been given authority uh, to, to have dominion over the earth, but with that comes a high level of responsibility. I want to ask you to raise your hand for how many people recycle. The, okay, so, oh, wow. So we do have a lot. How many people recycle? Yeah, that's, that's actually good. So that means we have a responsibility to care for the earth that God's given us. So that means we don't go around littering and throwing garbage out, and we, don't, we, we, we take responsibility for the ground and for the earth and for the clean air that we have. Uh, I lived in Jamaica, so I told you, as a missionary, and uh, they had a way of saying uh, certain phrases, and it was, uh, one of them was, hey, yeah, mine. You take care of your banana, mine. Your banana take care of you. In other words, you take care of your banana, your banana will take care of you. You till the earth, take care of your crops, and your crops will take care of you. And it's so true today. Uh, how we take care of the earth will determine how well we're taken care of. Anyway, I'm going to go on from that first one to the, to the second one there. We also reflect God's glory. We bear forth his image also in how we work and rest. Someone say work and rest. You got to have both of them. Now me, I can tell you uh, when it comes to balance, I tend to be way overbalanced oftentimes on the work side. I love to work. Uh, remember the Bible said, I think it was somewhere in Proverbs, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't what? Come on, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't what? I like to eat. So that means I must work. And so I, I love work. I love what it means to put my hands and my heart and my passion towards something. But the reality is, as my mom always said, if you don't rest and put yourself down, sit yourself down, your body will throw you down. And so we see the result of what happens when we don't take work and look at work and rest in the proper perspective. See, if God worked, then we ought to work. As a matter of fact, I think one of the big failures of our churches uh, in modern times today is that we come to church, we want to hear a good message, uh, we want to hear good singing, and if the band doesn't change it up and play new song after new song, week after week, then we ah, oh, that, that wasn't a bad week. But the reality is, the question we ought to be asking ourselves is, what are we contributing to the body of Christ? So if you're here today, I'm not talking about if you're new here and you're a visitor, you, that doesn't apply. But if you're here and you've been here a few weeks, it's time to go to work. Tell someone it's time to go to work. So that means you ought to find somewhere to be serving. I know in my family, I grew up as a kid in my family, everyone had a responsibility. It was called a chore. Everyone had work that they had to do. As a matter of fact, my family was good at, at having relatives come and live with us. I had a cousin one time, he came in and came to stay with us for a while. He was having trouble in his city, getting involved in stupid things. And 
Remember, he came in and woke up the next morning. Yeah, get a bowl of cereal. He goes in. He gets the Fruit Loops out. That was our food, our breakfast cereal back then. Good, nutritious Fruit Loops. He got the fruit, and he got one of these giant mixing bowls, like not a bowl. And he just kept going. I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's like, he's really going <laughs> to. But, but uh, that didn't fly very well when my mom came in. Because, see, we look up on the refrigerator, and the question is, how well did you do with your chores? He thought he was just there to eat. No, nah, baby, no. Nah. If a man don't work. Now, it doesn't say woman. But mankind applies very well here. Work is a very real part of what we're called to do. And we see that here in Genesis 2. And Napoleon Bonaparte, actually he said a very stupid thing, and I wrote it down. Very stupid thing. He said, and when they asked him what, what he thought about people and how much rest they needed, how much sleep. He said, when it comes to sleep, six hours for men, seven hours for women, and eight hours for fools. What a crazy thing to say. Six hours for men. Seven hours for women and eight hours for fools. Now, first of all, the whole idea that, that women need more sleep than men is, is, is pretty false in and of itself. But the idea that, that you just need six hours of sleep is really uh, a poor way to think about rest. Uh, now, I, I can't tell you that oftentimes I don't wake up after six hours and, and I start working my mind well before I get out of bed and start working. I have to tell myself, hey, you, you can't start working yet. You need to rest because rest is so important. But, it, but studies have shown time and time again that eight hours of sleep is a good thing. And in fact, in some countries, some cultures, uh, naps are just a norm for the day. Let's take a quick look at Genesis here as we move closer to the close. In Genesis 2, 1 to 3, and then verse 15, we're going to look at what God says about work. Verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all of the hosts with them. And on the seventh day, God finished his what? Work. What did he finish? <laughs> and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. Who did the work? Yeah, God did the work. And then he did what? Come on. He did what? God rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. I like how they put that in there a few times. The work that he had done, all the work that he had done, he rested from all of whose work? His work. In other words, God did the work, and then God rested from his work. Verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done and creation. What a powerful thing. And then verse 15 says this, pretty telling here. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? Somebody said, work it. You got to work it. Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. I don't think you should keep it unless you're willing to work it. Just my thought. So as I move on to point three, we know from the first point that we're meant and called to bear God's image and and how we steward the earth that God's given us. We know from the second point that God called us to bear forth his image, to reflect who he is and how we work, the way that we work, as well as the fact that we should work, but also reflect that in how we rest. In other words, the way that we rest is just as important that we rest. Um, but the last thing we, we know here is that God also wants us to bear forth his image, to reflect his goodness and how we relate to one another and how we relate to him. I'm not really going to get into the part about how we relate to him, I think we know that quite well, but it's really an important thing for us to understand that it's paramount that we take our design, our creation, how God made us, and reflect how he made us, reflect his goodness and his glory to others so that we can draw out of them the goodness of God that's there within them. Uh, so no matter how uh, people act, uh, no matter what they look like, and, and 
the reality is, is they were still made in the image of God. And as, as a, a young police officer, I was real good at uh, when I made an arrest, and it was a tough one. You know, the old scumbag, dirt bag, what a terrible thing to say, but I can't tell you the times that I've said it, that I've mimicked it and repeated it because I heard it all around me and, until I began to realize that there are, that's really wrong because the truth is people were created and formed and made in the image of God. And it's up to us who live that out to not only live it out in here, but to go out to the world and say, hey, you know what? You're better than how you're behaving right now. I wonder if the kids who are uh, being tutored right now uh, through the Whiskers program, I wonder if we begin to pour into them, as I know many of us already are, what we would see cropping up years and years down the line. Uh, from a law enforcement standpoint, uh, they're making prisons right now based upon kids in the third and fourth grade, from what I hear. But what an opportunity for us to bear forth the image of God, to reflect God's goodness, and to snatch them out of the prison cells right now as a result of our work here at the church that we're in. So the question is, are we reflecting God's glory onto those who deserve it and who look like us? When, do, when people see us, do they encounter uh, the living God? Uh, in closing, uh, I want to close out with uh, one, final, uh, one final story. Um, let's see. I'm trying to decide which story I'm going to tell. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, part, of, part of my last eight years uh, was part of the, uh, the Vortex, vortex uh, Violent Crime and Drug Unit. And so as a part of that, uh, we got a chance to deal with some of the worst of the worst, uh, which means that the people who we encountered uh, didn't like the idea of being arrested. I don't know who would like the idea, but they certainly didn't. So oftentimes when we, when we had to go in and make an arrest, uh, those guys would go hard, which means they would be fighting and you know, they, they would be seriously trying to get away if not trying to cause serious physical harm to us in the process. Now, I got to tell you, in my last eight years as a sergeant of the unit, I got to stand back and say, hey, you guys are doing a good job. Get him. <laughs> right. I wasn't I wasn't the hands on guy that I was in my younger days. I was able to stand back and say, sir, uh, uh, tell me what happened. Why did you get tased today? And I like that part better. But the fact of the matter is, man, I remember encountering uh, uh, the rough and tumble uh, even back then, uh, young cops were still calling them the scumbags, the dirtbags, the, uh, the bad guys is, is how, how we would often say that, even though we know from Scripture that they still were created in the, in the image of God. And, and oftentimes, because at this point, uh, and in my last eight years, I was, I was serious about my faith and I knew where I was with God. Uh, I knew that my responsibility was to call out of them the very thing that, that was resident in me, to cause them to, to bear forth the image of God at whatever level they were. And so oftentimes we would get back to the, our, what we called our roll call room. Uh, guys would have the money spread out that we made from our big drug arrest, taking pictures of the big money stacks, big bag of crack cocaine, and we'd be reveling over the guns, taking shots. Hey, Mom, look. You know, the gun we retrieved from the bad guy. Uh, but sooner or later, once all that settled down, my guys, the 15 officers in my unit, knew that sooner or later, old Double D, Daryl Davis, was going to sit down face to face and call out of this guy the better him that was there. And, and so it was common for me to sit across the table and say, hey, guy, uh, what's going on with you? Tell me why you did what you did, to, you know, whatever day it was. And typically I would still get the MFs and all the other uh, explicitives that would come out of his mouth at that point. I would back away, wait a few minutes, come back again. Sometimes I will bring a cup of water, get a soft drink out of the machine. Say, I know you got to be thirsty by now. We've got a lot of work to do before we take you downtown, so would you like something to drink? Sometimes they would still be in that zone of anger and madness. Other times, well, sure, 
Eventually, I would take off one handcuff, and I would still handcuff the other handcuff to the seat, and I would say, hey, go ahead and stretch a little bit. I know those cuffs have to be pretty tight by now. Then I would just throw in a, a few seeds. You know what, man? I want you to know that this arrest wasn't personal. I know that you fought hard, and the reality is you did what you had to do, and my guys did what they had to do. But the reality is all of us are going home tonight. You're going downtown to the, to the big house, but we're all going home, and the reality is you weren't hurt, we're not hurt, so this is not personal. It's just business. And in fact, uh, young man, I want you to know that I think you're not necessarily a bad guy. Uh, I would pull up their, their, their rap sheet, as you know it, as, and, and I would look down the sheet, and I would say, hey, you know, I noticed you've got a couple of juvenile violations here. Uh, maybe you've got a couple other arrests, but from what I can tell, you, you, you really aren't a bad person. And then I, the, the scales would begin to fall down. No, I'm really not. I'm, I'm sorry about what happened out there in the street, officer. I, hey, you don't have to apologize to me, dude. I wasn't the one. It was actually my guys that you kicked. And, but he, he, he'd get apologetic. Hey, I'm sorry about the way I behaved. That's just really not who I... God, I know that's not who you are. Tell me, were you by any chance raising a church? Typically, I mean, nine times out of ten, people, yeah, I really, I went to church as a kid a lot. I says, you know what? I believe you really did. And I believe, man, that there's a better you than what we've seen here tonight. Yeah, officer, there really is. And he would take another drink from his soft drink or his water. And more and more, I would just begin to pour in him and call out of him what he didn't see yet in and of himself. Eventually, we would get further down the conversation, and, and then they would do what they always do. Uh, the roughest and toughest guy, eventually, they want to call for who? Mama. You think, you think I could talk to my mama? I mean, truly. I mean, they'd be out there fighting like you wouldn't believe, but when it all settles down, they want to talk to mama. I don't know why they don't call for daddy, but anyway. But they, so I, I'd get my cell phone out, and yeah, man, go ahead and talk to your mom, and and sometimes they would talk to mom, and eventually tears would start rolling down our eyes. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm in the trouble again, and da, 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 they're going to be taking me down to the Justice Center. And, and then through that process, man, oftentimes I would stop by McDonald's, and after, you know, on the way down to the jail, I would take them down and go through McDonald's drive-through, take time to get them. A, I would tell them, hey, you're not going to be able to get a good meal for quite a while. The reality is you're, you're looking at real hard, serious time. But the reality is, man, this can be a turning point for you. You can be better than how you are right now. Get them a burger, go downtown to the Justice Center. And we would sit there in the police car. While they're still in the back, I would get them out, have to recuff them before we took them back into the Justice Center. But we would sit there in the car, man, and we would pray a prayer. Just pray a prayer. Uh, because at that point in my career, I knew what it meant uh, to call out the best in someone else, to see them the way God sees them, to know that, that the image of God is still present there somewhere in them. Though it's been marred and as a result of the fall, sin has entered in, God still wants us to bear forth his image to others. I, and as I said, the first service, I have no idea if, uh, if this guy or any other guys I talked to turned out for the good. I never tracked them. For all I know, they became serial killers or went in the jail and became worse. I don't know. Nor do I know whether they came out and changed the, the community they lived in for good. But I do know that I'm called, as you're called, to bear forth the image of God in spite of the situation, in spite of what I see in others, to call out the best in them. So I want to challenge you and encourage you as I close now. To recognize that we're not only called to be good stewards of the earth that we live in, to bear forth the image, to manage it uh, as God tells us to, but we're also called to be responsible and bear forth his image in how we work. To work not how, as I did when I was a young cop, calling guys scumbags and dirtbags, but calling them who God says they are. We're called to be responsible for how we work and how we rest, but also we're called to bring out the best in others and how we reflect God's love to them. Bow your heads with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, I went over a lot of things uh, today, and I pray that um, 
I pray that, uh, that we take uh, your word seriously more than anything else. Thank you for what you're doing here in this church, uh, for how you're growing us up and calling us to, to become fully uh, committed, devoted followers of your son, Jesus. Uh, do a work in us this week. Take each and every one of us out and help us to bear forth your image and to invite someone else back with us when we come again. In Christ's name, amen.